And as you gain control over your story and start to choose more of the empowering stories, as opposed to the disempowering stories, you're going to start to breathe better. Your breath is going to descend back down into your abdomen where it should be, where it started. Welcome to the Ardent Fitness Podcast. We are a personal coaching facility that takes a wholehearted approach to helping individuals find their most powerful self. We are here to wholeheartedly help you to live with purpose, and this podcast is our way of reaching you outside of the gym. Our experiences and those of our guests are here to help you glean information to help you along your path to living with purpose. What's up, guys? Here's your intro for this week. We have Mark England, the creator of Procabulary and the way of the enlifted athlete, absolute language master. He's all about rewriting your story and using your language to shape your journey. We had a little hiccup in our audio where we didn't get our intro in, and you're about to hear this podcast kick off with Mark talking and telling us his story. I wanted you guys to know who it is you're listening to from the get-go. So dig in. Hope you enjoy this one. Lots of great stuff in here. Thank you. I, I love coming on podcasts and talking about this stuff. Thank you for having me on, and uh, uh, for, for sure, shout out, shout out to, to Angelo Cisco. I met him before we did the 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 initial barbell shrug shows so we we gifted i think it was we had like 16 17 people on their team at the time and we gifted everybody core language upgrade he was one of their team members and i I had had a phone conversation before we, we we did the shows in in january 2017 and uh, yeah, he and I have stayed friends since, man. It's cool, really cool guy. Uh, yeah, and, and, and a good person to know personally and professionally. Yeah, absolutely. You want to just roll in? Let's just keep yeah. rolling. Yeah. I'll just, I'm you're happy good. to talk about all those things, John, for sure. Oh. We can make this fun and entertaining and, and, and practical, as in your audience can practice this, some of the stuff we're, we're talking about. So, 100%. Yeah. I did some research. Um, you're the co-founder of Procabulary and Enlifted. We're currently going through Procabulary. Our coaches are yep. very enlightening. You've co-founded two successful personal development businesses that are all about the stories we tell ourselves. Uh, you've given over 500 professional talks, including one TED and RVA. Just a really established and accomplished um, resource in your field. It's an absolute pleasure having you here. And, and what I take out of everything in vocabulary is focusing on what matters. I think that is, that is the overall driving message that I've been taking out of this so far. And all of our coaches might have something different to say about it, but we just wanted to introduce you and, uh, and thanks for joining our show. It's been great having you on so far. My pleasure. So with that, can you talk a little bit about what, how you started vocabulary? Maybe what that day was. Maybe there was some sort of um, anticipation, some buildup where you wanted to help people. Can you give our listeners that background? Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, it was definitely not that altruistic. I was in. Uh, I was. I was a hot mess, man. I moved over to to Thailand in two thousand and two. Uh, the plan was go over there for a year, practice, uh, polish my Thai boxing skills. I was an amateur competitor in the, the, the late 90s, early 2000s, and come back and go pro. All my friends were going pro, pro fights, opening their own schools. And I was like, okay, I got the opportunity to go over there. I said, great, that's what I'm going to do. Six months after I got there, the found myself in the doctor's office, and he's telling me how the surgery went not so well. He just operated on my knee for the second time. And to say I took that bad would be a monumental understatement. I, I remember it like literally like it was this morning. Your career as a fighter is over, Mark. You could, could, not can, not will, could become a very good swimmer. I know. And I'm, I'm looking at him like, just numb, numb to the news. Uh, I believed him, you know, I believed him. 
I was in so much pain, man. And so it was just, it felt like I had a box of rocks in my knee after surgery. Anyway, darkness descended as in the form of a hyper inflamed victim mentality. I now have the proof that there's something wrong with me because I was worried about it the whole, for my entire adult life. Now I got the proof. I went for the big times and I fell on my face. See, 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 Mark, you were doomed to fail, buddy. You're screwed. Just can't do anything about it. I didn't, I didn't smile. I didn't laugh for an entire year. And it dawned on me one day that I'm so glad it did. You know, I can, I can play this out, this version of me out for a long time, decades. And I saw that old, bitter, somewhere between bitter and seething version of myself off in the distance. Yeah, 60 years old, still chewing on this bone because the, the fighting was the first thing that made perfect sense to me. I was a wrestler in high school. Yeah, I half-assed it, man. You know, pinning somebody, okay, I get it. But choking someone. <laughs> choking someone, now that is a completely different conversation. It was a complete, first time I ever got choked, I just, it was, a, it was, a, it was on like Donkey Kong from there. So, so I now have lost my first true love. And I don't see anything anywhere that, that will fill that void. So, so, you know, well, at least that's the story I was telling myself. And I looked at that version of me and I said, anything but that. Any, I meant it, anything. I'll take anything but that. I'm getting to the point where things changed because they did. It was an evening. I started, I, I needed to participate in my life differently. And a friend of mine was doing, uh, it came back from a cleansing resort. I was living in Bangkok at the time. I lived over there for 10 years, stayed over there. It changed me. Five years in Bangkok and then five years on an island in the Gulf of Thailand. Anyway, when I was living in Bangkok, my the vice principal at our school, I was an elementary school PE teacher for that time. Uh, great gig, love the kids. Anyway, the vice principal comes back and the dude's basically floating. He's like, man, I feel fantastic. And he looked it. He's like, I just went down and did this weird cleanse, uh, three-day liver cleanse down at, the, down at this place called The Spa. Here's a book, very similar to the process they run. You should go check it out. I did. I was like, okay, that actually makes sense to me. You know, change the input, get, the, get a different output. I went down there. Good things happened. I keep going back. My third trip down, one evening, I meet a man that would change the trajectory of my life permanently. He was also, also became a, uh, my first mentor in this work. A guy by the name of Barry Musgrave. He was doing a workshop on emotional detoxification. That sounds and interesting. It, it does now. I laughed at it when I first heard about it. See, you guys are, you guys are smart. I, I was, a, I was a, a dumb dumb back then. Psh, emotional detoxification. <laughs> what's, what's that worth? And the guy that told me about it, he goes, you need to go. I was like, oh. I went and I watched Barry Musgrave. He's 82 now. This was almost 18 years ago. He walked this woman through a story of a bad breakup. And yes, it was legit. Okay, this one would have stung. Her boyfriend cheated on her with her best friend in front of their entire uh, uh, crew at Beach Week one night and then dumped her in front of everybody the next night. That would hurt. And, and she's, she's still chewing on that four years later. Not, getting into, not, go, not going into any relationship. She's, just, she's still hurting. He took her through that story. First time, angry and tears. Second time, and, 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 and so second time he's going through, they change a couple of the words around and, and now she's sad, no tears. Third time through that same story, 
He changed a pivotal piece in the middle and a little bit at the end because words are words influence folks. And she's now essentially emotionally neutral to the thing so much. So she changes her own mind. He didn't tell her anything. She goes, huh? That wasn't going to work out anyway. That guy was actually really weird. And I said, that's not my story, but that's my story. I got up, went to the internet cafe, downloaded an 80 page manual on how to do the work, this, this particular style of story work on, on yourself. And I went to work, went to work, bought a bunch of DVDs, went and trained with the founder over a three year period of time, moved back down to that same spa, January 17th, which is crazy. This is the first time I'm thinking about it. That's the same day uh, that we, the, we did the Barbell Shrug shows. January 17th, wow. 2007, I moved down to that same spa as a counselor. And that's when I started my, my, my career as a story worker. That's awesome. That's, that's a really cool backstory. Uh, and I can, I can relate to the, oh, I had something taken and now I'm, I need to get over it kind of thing. Um, I like so many uh, 18 to 21 year old males who are going into the Navy. Uh, I wanted to be a SEAL. You know, mm -hmm. and I sold my Camaro. I said I would never sell to pay for LASIK. And it was on paper. I was talking with them for over a year. And I go to contract in at MEPS and they go, sorry, a new instruction was sent out six days ago. Your misdemeanor on your record is no longer waverable. Yeah. So I, I went in turning wrenches and, uh, and the, the idea was to go in, spend a couple of years on a ship, then drop a package. I ended up on a smaller ship and I'd been turning wrenches since I was 14. So I was good at it. And my command was like, oh no, even if you drop a package, we can't afford to lose you. So we're not going to clear it. So, so I can, I can wholeheartedly relate to that. Um, having to get past being bitter and overwhelmed with something. Yeah, man. That's it's it's an attachment, and in some cases, an addiction to an identity. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're not we're not taught how to transition because guess what? Our identity changes as uh, throughout our life. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, time. If somebody showed you seventeen-year-old Chase and like sat him right here next to me, wearing like a drug rug poncho and not speaking but two words at a time and said, hey, he's gonna teach people about health and wellness one day. You know, like, yeah. I think it's fascinating that you are you mentioned that you lost like the first love of your life when you're out there, you're fighting, you're competing, and the doctor who, you know, I'm sure is, gives these messages to his patient so many times and might not think about what that speech might've done and how that put you on a path. We, we have a lot of, like a lot of our guests that come on have these weird universal coincidences that they're in the right place at the right time or that the universe is sending them these messages. So, you know, when you're, when you're uh, walking past the guy who just went through that liver cleanse and he goes, you got to go check this out. There was something pulling you at, into that phase and launching you onto the, what it seems like that right trajectory for your life, for your career. And it brought so much influence to other people just by taking that one step. That's what I really love about that story. It's, it really just opens up so many great doors, gets people out of, out of their minds and using language. So that's really cool. I appreciate you sharing that. Honestly, it's, uh, it's a really, really cool story. So you get, how did, how did then, did you take that? and then mold that into vocabulary. How did that momentum start to build after you go through those steps? This was a year. So I've been, I've been doing this work full time for the past 13 years. It was in the second year of my practice. First five years I lived in a hut on the beach and did as many individual sessions, individual coaching sessions with people that were going to that spa as possible. And year two, one of my clients 
and it was hot, it was Turnham and Burnham, man. Uh, I was not doing anything online. Um, I refused to do any coaching sessions online. And it was all people coming and going. They'd come in, do a seven-day cleanse and fly back to wherever they were from. And one of um, one of my clients, they said, you know, do you have anything written down about what to do when I when I go home? And I said, I can write. I can write out a couple of paragraphs for you. And uh, I did. And two paragraphs turned into four paragraphs. And four paragraphs turned into six paragraphs. And right around when it got to a page, I looked at it and I was like this. It was spooky. I just, I, I stared at the, at the screen like this. And I knew that I had just, and part of me, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to be completely honest. Part of me was excited. Part of me was super intrigued. And part of me was feeling dread. Because I now see the next 25 years of work, of, of mountains of work in front of me. And I got this, I got, I, I procrastinate on purpose. I do. Because I know once I start something, I stay in it till it's done. And I'm like, oh my God, now I've got to finish this fucking thing. <laughs> Seriously. So I keep writing and uh, one page turns into two pages, which turned into six pages, which turned into a 90 day language overhaul program right around that time um, i'm starting to uproot myself from thailand i'm traveling around taking uh, taking seminars giving seminars studying with with uh, if, if if a modality impressed me i went and studied with the founder i got seven of the eight i got i got to study with seven of the eight founders of the systems that most impressed me at that time in personal development I had, and, and it was, I did a little bit of hopscotching around the planet. And I also relocated to, uh, to Ecuador. I lived down there for a year and a half. I'd always romanticize about renting a house somewhere in the middle of God knows where and writing a book. So I moved down there, a cool place called Vilcabamba, and rented a house and took that 90-page manual, which was just in an email form, and wrote a workbook and an ebook. And I was selling that on my old website, the vocabulary, pardon me while I barf on my shoes. Before vocabulary was called vocabulary, it was called empowered language systems. That's a mouthful. And I was selling this workbook and ebook, and then I was doing sessions virtually because it was, you know, I'd got my head around it. I meet up with a good friend of mine from Thailand. I'd known him for seven years at the time, Adam Chin. And he comes from a prestigious sales training background, personal development background. Uh, smart guy too. Into the personal development game big time. And met him in Thailand, ran into him again in Thailand and, and showed him what I was doing. And he took a look at this and he, he goes, the tech is legit. It's essentially, it's all the same tech that was the, the, that's in core language upgrade that's now in, in lifted. It's the same, it's, um, you know, conflict language, still conflict. It was, it was, it was called victim mentality language back then, which is interesting. I can talk about that, but it's the same three pillars, yeah. negations, projections, and soft talk, because that, that, that language patterning was, was what was train wrecking my clients it's what my clients were using 85% of the time consistently across the board to train wreck themselves. Believe it. Yeah. Did, um, pardon me if I'm interrupting you, but did the shift from victim mentality language, am I getting that right? Mm -hmm. To conflict language, was that at all to make it easier for people to swallow? 100%. 100%. So we, we, two dudes bootstrapping, a, he, he goes, this tech's legit, man. Let's turn it into a, a, a business. 
and you got to cut your ponytail off and shave because I was just I was a <laughs> you know I went from the, the, being a beach bum to a mountain rat and um, I was hey, like yeah I'll do that that's that's the life yeah that's the life so we we shoot the first version the one that you all are taking that's that's 2.0 we shot 1.0 and it, it's ready to go and to reshoot a, a course for two dudes bootstrapping a company it's a thing we're sitting in my my family's lake house looking at each other and we're like dude we got to reshoot the course because victim mentality as accurate as it is or what those language patterns script force people to create as far as stories for themselves it's too strong of a place to start the conversation people are like i i'm not a victim yeah talking about <laughs> but I do have some conflict at work. I, I will admit it. And <laughs> shit, you should see my marriage. So it's, it's <laughs> relatable. So for your audience, the, the definition of the victim mentality, it is, is I'm going to take a little bit out of the middle. And this is the verbatim definition of the victim mentality. The victim mentality is an acquired personality trait where a person tends to regard himself or herself as the victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence. The victim mentality depends on a habitual thought process and attributions. That second sentence is right between the eyes, right where it belongs. It, the victim mentality depends, as in it has to have a habitual thought process. Habitual accurately implies duration, and it also accurately implies addiction. We can get addicted to the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves for better and for worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and to back it up, because we, we've kind of went on a deep dive to back it up, just the, the base power of language and the stories we tell ourselves. I think that's a good segue. And we haven't really dug in on that. We've, we've kind of used anecdotes and stories, but uh, I was wondering, can you break it down for our listeners the, the true power of language and like the energy that it'll create around your story? Happily. Would you gentlemen like to participate in a writing exercise? Yeah, let's go. Cool. Do you all have one of these? I'm holding up a pen for those all. I, uh, this, this, yes, yeah. this, we can call this a pen. It is, it, is a, it is a magical instrument of influence, ladies and gentlemen. Let's, let's, let's be creative with our imaginations, okay? And if you're listening to this at home and, or wherever you are and you've got a pen, you've got a, a, a magic wand and some paper, write these two sentences down because this makes the conversation really real. There's a saying, she who feels it knows it or he who feels it knows it. And that's one of my favorite things about this work. It's so damn practical, as in you can practice it. You could, don't, let, don't take my word for it. Start using different words and watch what happens. Be your own judge. So first sentence, gentlemen. How can I ever get over this? How can I ever get over this? We're just, just going to take one word out. Now write this sentence underneath it. Same sentence, just take out the word ever. Yeah. So Chase, read that first sentence, please. How can I ever get over this? Perfect. What, and then you check in. What kind of feeling, what kind of energy does that sentence create? Helplessness. I mean, for me, help, yeah, I, we're going to sum it up. Helplessness. Like, how can I ever do that? It ever implies to me like it's somewhat impossible. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Mm -hmm. Now read that second sentence. How can I get over this? Is there any difference for you between those two sentences? Oh, yeah. That second one is 
okay, how, what, what will I use to get over this? It's not asking whether or not there's the possibility. It's asking what tasks and tactics will I use to get over it? hundred percent. We're just, we just took out one word folks and it changed his psychological and emotional landscape. Dare I say, and I do substantially because both of those sentences, you know, technically syntactically, yes, that first sentence is a question. How can I ever get over this question mark? But people don't say it like that. It's, it's a statement of I'm screwed. How can I ever get over this? Which presupposes, these are both, both of those sentences are presuppositions. It's a little bit nerdy. They are, they presuppose something. The first one, how can I ever get over the presupposes that I can't. So what that does is it, it, it forces me to look at a scenario in my uh, imagination of there's nothing I can do. Hence, helplessness, the feeling of helplessness being created, generated. And then that second sentence, it's a presupposition too, but just a very different one. How can I get over this presupposes that I can. So what I do is I start looking for the solutions in my imagination. And, uh, you know, this brings up a massively important point folks. If you are into personal and professional development in any form, shape at all, or you like getting better performance out of yourself in or out of the gym, knowing about the reticular activating system is huge. It's massive or RAS for short. Once upon a time, three years ago, my car got stolen. I walk out the door the, the morning I'm going to give a presentation, I walk over to where I parked my car the night before, and there's just empty space. Okay. It took me a hot second to connect those dots. You know, I don't, I just, you know, I don't think people steal cars. And, yeah, they do. <laughs> so I get out my phone and I, and I call the police. And I say, hey, police, my car got stolen. I need some help. They said, hold on, buddy. We're on the way. And I called my dad. I said, dad, the car got stolen. I need the farm truck. I got shit to do. <laughs> so I go out to the farm. This is in Richmond, Virginia. It's a true story. And I get one of my father's prize possessions, which is a 1985 mint condition Ford F-150. He bought off the showroom floor. Two tones of brown. We call it brown and browner. <laughs> And I drove Brown and Browner around Richmond, Virginia, and it took less than one day for me to start seeing more and more 1985-ish Ford F-150s. Most people have had that experience. They get in a car, and then, you, you guys ever had that experience? You get in a car, and you start seeing that car. You're like, where are these cars coming from? Yeah, I bought a new truck in January. I'm like, oh, holy crap, there are so many <laughs> Tacomas on the road. I noticed right. that too. Yeah. <laughs> There's hardware involved in that phenomenon chase it, and it's called the reticular activating system it goes once something is deemed important and it is it is neutral it doesn't give a crap what what whether whether what we focus on is good for us or bad for us it just whatever we focus on put our attention to we're going to go out and it's going to go on a search and edit mission it's going to go find more of those trucks and and so that's the search search function and then the edit function is it, 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 it edits out all the blue Oldsmobiles and the green vans because it's not the thing we're looking for. They did a, um, and, and just go to YouTube, folks, punch in reticular activating system. You'll get, there's a number of five-minute videos. There's also a really cool TED Talk on it. Um, and, and this is studied. This is, this is not, this is, this, is, this is 101 social psychology, folks. In the, I believe it was in the 90s, two guys, they, they wrote a book called The Invisible Gorilla. You ever hear, hear about this? Is this the basketball? This is the basketball. Yeah, yep. Yeah, this I was just going to ask if this was the same. So, yep. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. So the, the, the quick story here, folks, is that two social psychologists, they took six college students, dressed three in black, three in white, 
gave the black team two basketballs, gave the white team two basketballs, and their instructions were to pass the basketballs back and forth to their team in this just mixing around in this, in this one minute video. They took another college student, dressed him up in a gorilla costume, this is another true story, and have them walk into the middle of the frame, turn and look at the, the camera, beat his chest, and turn and walk out. That was the entire one minute video. This video is on, on YouTube as well. Then they show that video to tens of thousands of students and they give them one task, as in they focus their attention on one thing. Count how many times the white team passes the ball back and forth to themselves. So they're focused on that. Yep. Just on that. Just on that. Yep. And you'd think that everyone, every single person would notice something as crazy, out of place, as someone in a gorilla costume in the middle of that scenario. They don't. 50%, 55, 10 would be crazy. 50% is, it's astonishing. 50% of people don't see the gorilla because they edit out the gorilla because they're not looking for a gorilla. Everybody knows someone who just seems to land on their feet. You know, they're, they're, they're very, they, they, they see opportunity. Okay. How did that happen? We also know someone, we also know people that one thing happens and they stay spun out for months. They just can't seem to get it together. They can't get the rhythm going. They're easily offended. That doesn't just happen by accident either. We're talking about spells here, folks. The definition of a spell is a word or a combination of words of great influence and it goes both ways. Two quick stories, and I'll give it back to y'all. Take the conversation wherever you want. Well, you Client mean. comes in, sits down, and she goes, I'm having problems with my marriage. My husband thinks I'm beautiful, and I refuse to believe him, and I know where it's coming from. <laughs> what? don't know what to do about it. I said, oh, do tell. She's 10 years old. She goes into her grandparents for Christmas. They walk into the house right out of the car. And the great aunt is standing right by the door and leans down in that little girl's face and goes, my, you have a big nose just like me. Wow. Thanks for that. What does that little girl do? <laughs> Tightens up, locks up, runs in the bathroom, Coach John, what do you think the first thing she looks at is? I'm going to say her nose. You're correct. Her nose, which is obviously physically no bigger than it was 10 seconds ago. But now in her imagination, she's got a honker. And, and that means she's ugly. And because she has now identified herself as such, her reticular activating system goes on a search edit for all the girls that are prettier than her. Let me prove myself right. And editing out any compliments. Oh, you look really good tonight, honey. You don't really mean that. Yeah. Because again, this stuff goes both ways. Yeah. 2000, whatever, I'm giving a presentation. And this guy is sitting up a booth next to me. Uh, he hears the whole thing. Thumbs up afterwards. He's like, man, that was really cool. You want to hear a great story? I mean, who says no to that? Yeah. Great story? Me? No. Get away from me with that great story. And he goes, uh, my grandfather took me out in the backyard when I was uh, like 12 or 13. And I don't know what the guy's name was. I didn't catch it. We'll just call him Johnny. He said, grandpa took me out in the backyard when I was, when I was 13. And he goes, little Johnny, life is interesting. You're going you're gonna to have successes and you're going to have failures. There's going to be ups and downs and twists and turns and ins and outs and lefts and rights and zigs and zags. Just always remember to err on the side of being a badass motherfucker. And he said his whole life changed in that one moment. He said he, he took a breath in. <gasps> he said his, his, his energy, his feelings, he just got bigger. 
He said he saw himself at that moment as capable and confident in his imagination. He goes, you know what? I've made plenty of mistakes, but I've gotten a lot of stuff right because I go after stuff. I talk myself into opportunity. Most people use their language accidentally to talk themselves out of opportunity. So what are we talking about here, folks? There are certain words that activate and maintain sympathetic nervous system response, also known as conflict language, also known as uh, uh, victim mentality language. Sympathetic nervous system response is a stress response. Okay. Yeah. yeah so fight or flight. Goes, go ahead. It's fight or flight. It's fight or flight. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. Someone does that. I mean, you guys are, you guys live this stuff. How often do you see people come in with compromised breathing mechanics? Oh yeah. And we've, we've revamped how we, I mean, we opened as a CrossFit affiliate in 2014 doing it like the, the, the normal 2012 CrossFit way, but we've revamped everything to, we start with that. We start with breathing and bracing because to your point, how are we ever supposed to move well and have exercise actually serve us if we can't calm everything down? 100%. Poor breathing mechanics, and most people's breathing mechanics are screwed. Their, yeah. their breathing is trapped in their upper chest, known as shallow breathing or labored breathing or coastal breathing, and a majority of that is coming from this unchecked, relentless, it's not consistent, relentless barrage of shit talk that's going on in their head that they do not know to or know how to do something with. We don't get taught this stuff. I've got a degree in education. I, I brought it, I, was, I went through the public school systems. I, I, never, I didn't have either side of those conversations, either side of that, those, those experiences. I didn't have one course, class, or conversation on how my language influences my emotions and feelings, how my language influences my, my self-image and my imagination, how my language influences my physiology. We've all talked ourselves into a bad mood. If it goes on long enough, we start to slump. We've all talked ourselves into a good mood. If it goes long, long enough, we start to get a little taller and the, the shoulders drop and it becomes broader and we just we're, we take up a little more space. I didn't have one course, class, or conversation on how my language influences my breathing, yeah. which is why we went on barbell shrug. That one thing, I reached out to five box, well, people in the CrossFit industry, two athletes, three box owners. It was a bold request. Who's got the best podcast in CrossFit? Because I got something to say. They all came back, barbell shrugged. And one of them said, Mike Bledsoe is aware of your work. Would you like an introduction? You're damn right I'd like an introduction. And so we go on there. We gift all, their whole team core language upgrades. And, you know, good, yeah. great year. Take the course. It kicks ass. Yeah. What we were expecting is, you know, we'd go on the show and at the end they go, you know, uh, it's good course. Take the course. They wouldn't shut the fuck up about it. Uh, <laughs> change the way they communicated internally. Yeah. And it, it was also because it does the same language patterns apply to what we do personally as what we do professionally. They were getting benefit in their, in their personal lives. And, and then, you know, Mike and I, we welded each other at the hip for about two years and a lot of cool stuff came out, man. Those guys going on that show. So what, what the formula was, and I know we're off on a tangent. I go off on tangents. I do it on I, purpose. I like tangents. Yeah. Especially when they're good ones. The, yeah. the formula was five to one. Every five fitness shows, Mike Bledsoe got to do a weirdo out there show. And we were the, the one weirdo out there show for the, the five. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, man, that, that, that changed. We got introduced to the fitness industry, industry through the best podcast in, in CrossFit at the time. You know, they're still way up there. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, they, they started. I mean, they were the CrossFit podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was the first, one, first, first CrossFit podcast I ever went on. <laughs> yeah. That's and, and if it weren't for that podcast, you know, on January 17th, like you were talking about earlier, that you just put that together by the sound of it, um, that if it weren't for that, then we, we wouldn't be sitting here today because I never would have heard of the program. 100%. Yeah, that's... 100%. That's awesome. And lifting wouldn't be a thing. Um, yeah. And on that, let's, let's, let's dive down another tangent. Could you, 
could you break down what Enlifted is for us? Sure. Enlifted is a way for people, vocabulary Enlifted, the, the elevator pitches are the same. They are productivity tools for people to organize what they think and say so they stay focused on what's important to them. Vocabulary is for the general audience and lifted is for the gym. It's for people in fitness. It's so you stay focused on what you're doing in the gym. Because when you stay focused, that's, that's another way of, of uh, calling someone successful. How, how much time do you spend staying focused on what's important to you? And I guarantee you all this, talking to every, your, yeah. you two guys, your audience and myself, your ability to stay focused on what's important to you is directly related to your language. And when I say language, I mean internal dialogue, what you think, and external dialogue, what you say and what you text. And so I was on a podcast, a fitness podcast yesterday, and, and they're like, how do you practice this stuff? I'm like, okay, that's a layup question. Most people that go into a gym, whether it's someone guiding a class or they have a coach who's programming for them, somewhere the workout's written down, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. People that want to get even better results for themselves do the same thing. It's called meal planning. They do the same thing with their nutrition, correct? Right. Do the same thing with what you want to think while you're in the heat of the moment during your workout. Write down what you want to rep what you want to repeat, what you're going to allow yourself to think, what you might even say under your breath or even out loud. Because here's the formula. Most people fuel their workouts with internal terrorism. Yeah, I used oh, to do this, that. This is going to hurt. This is going to suck. Yeah. I, I, uh, you know, I, if, if they're lifting that weight, I got to lift that weight too. Yeah. They're, 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 the, the, I've been in here twice as long as they have, and they're stronger than me now. Oh, that girl's a nicer ass. Like hers. Yeah. And on and on yeah. and on. And you know, you think that has an effect? I guarantee that has an effect. Oh, yeah. It traps the body, makes people loose, gets them way in their head. Okay. And because that amount of mental real estate is now dedicated to dog shit. Well, and on top of that, they're in the gym thinking like that. So where's their breathing? Dude, hundred percent. You guys are you guys are so on this. Yeah, it's in their upper chest. Yeah, you you put someone that's holding their breath under load, Snap City. Yeah, right. Okay? Yeah. And then and then then it just gets better from there. You know, pain is weakness leaving the body, or maybe a slip disc, sure. or maybe torn labrum, or maybe an uh, ACL MCL bucket handle meniscus tear. I mean, that that does happen. Right. Okay. If they were already telling themselves that the the conflict language story beforehand, and then they get injured, how how much worse is it going to get? Dude, you, please, you you two go on podcasts and talk about this stuff because you're nailing. <laughs> That's exactly what happens. It it get it like take out the like it it goes from from bad to nuclear worse. Yeah. Because now sitting at home in pain. Can't get in. That's because that's, that's what I did. I mean, I literally fueled my workout with, with, with victim mentality language, trying to squeeze that extra little bit of performance out of myself to prove to myself that I wasn't scared because I was scared. And to try to keep up with these guys who I was training with, I was training with a bunch of studs. I'm a mediocre athlete uh, to do anything possible to hang with those cats because I wanted to be good enough like them. Uh, and, and then, and then I just break, dude. You know, yeah. Springs popping out of my neck, my knees ripped up. Like. I hear you. Yeah. I, and I've, I've been there in instances when I'm beat up and recovering like crap. And I, well, why can't I front squat? Like I, I have a 365 pound front squat. Why'd I just miss 315? You know, I, and I've, I've seen it, you know, being a coach for uh, over eight years now, like um, I've, I've seen it many a times from the outside looking in. So yeah, I completely get what you're talking about there. It's rampant. We run, we run like a, a little experiment while we still were 
CrossFit gym at the time where we took away the leaderboard. We took away the RX because we thought we found a lot of our members were doing what you had just said, putting them against another person who is in a completely different mindset, completely different state. And that had a very profound effect on that entire rest of the week. Bring it back. You know, I, I need to know. I need to know. And it just, I will remember that as, as far as how the human psyche reacts to that, where it's like, where's the carrot? Yeah. And I'm so used to just comparing myself to others. To others. And it was wild. You know, it, it's cool though, because, and a lot of our members are probably going to be like, oh, wait, shoot, you guys did do that. We came back out of the shelter in place and we went back to no RX load. Mm-hmm. Like, no weights. I just, operating at a rate of perceived exertion you know completed um and, and it's been i mean people using 35 pound dumbbells that if a 50 was on the load they would have grabbed that you know and nobody has aches and pains anymore everybody's feeling great everybody's operating everybody's happier you know i didn't even think about that i mean i'm, I'm not a gym owner but that that right there is genius that's that's because you, you know what they say as they being Albert Einstein, intellectuals solve problems, geniuses prevent them. What you just did is you prevented your, 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 your gym members from coming in and rebounding off of the shelter in place and trying to just get right back to where they were. That's natural, that's to be expected. Oh yeah, totally. And heading that off at the pass, man, dude, good job, way to think. I'm uh, so we're about 45 minutes in. I'm gonna make sure my wife listens to you calling me a genius. <laughs> Good. Don't beat his ego anymore. <laughs> but that's but that's the, the problem that we want to solve here. And, and I think that's where Chase has done a really good job. I know that's where Chase has done a really good job of driving this more so than just being we are a gym, but we also solve problems. We keep people moving healthy, we keep them living their best life. And that is where a lot of my similarities, a lot of everyone in here similarities match up, which is when we introduced vocabulary into every that every coach was, was very excited about that opportunity to learn more. You touched on I was gonna ask, why do you think that people are trained that way? And you touched on that with the two stories of the little kids. One that little kid being a badass motherfucker, and then the other little girl having that semblance for the rest of her life. She's probably gonna have plastic surgery or some sort of thing because of and, and you leaned in for dramatic effect. I wish our, our viewers, our listeners could see that. It was great. Um, but you nailed that on the head. Do you think that, do you talk about body language in, in Lifted? Does that also, is that also part of that program? I'm curious to see how those traits also spill over into the vocabulary side of it. Body language, we do not, negation, we do not talk about it in uh, uh, either of the two courts and it's it's something that we pay attention to big time um, well it's one of the four things we pay attention to when it yeah. comes to what our language is influencing so I say it everybody goes to magic abracadabra when I say abracadabra every single person on the planet I know that's I'm exaggerating but not by much because I've been around and I've given a decent amount of presentations for, I mean, I talk about it in 19 out of 10, or excuse me, 19 out of 20 uh, uh, podcasts and presentations. Abracadabra, folks. In my opinion, it's the most well-recognized word on the planet. It's a sleeping giant, truth be told. I go anywhere and I say abracadabra, regardless of their native uh, uh, language that they speak, everyone goes to magic. When I was living down in Ecuador, a buddy of mine, we were out to dinner and he, he, he knew I was in the language game and he goes, Hey Mark, you know what abracadabra means? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Magic He goes, Nope. Abracadabra is Aramaic, which is an ancient language. It was the language. The original old Testament was written in. it's old dude. It's still spoken in some areas of the middle East. And Aramaic, excuse me, abracadabra translates to with my word, I create 
or with my word, I influence. It was like somebody smacked me in the face with a brick. The metaphysicians of the day would triangulate abracadabra and wear it around their neck to remind them of the power and the mechanism of the spoken word or language because they knew if they got that mechanism wrong, quote unquote wrong, working against them, everything else they wanted to do was going to be an uphill battle. They knew if they got that working for them, that everything they wanted to do uh, was going to be a whole lot easier. And it's the same thing with us now. So, yeah. uh, you, you know, where my mind goes is back to that conversation about, you know, what are some examples, what do you do with this information? Write down, have your, whether you're, you're, it's your members in the gym, you're listening to this podcast, write down three or four, keep it simple, three or four things you want, you would, act, you would like for yourself to say to yourself while you're in your next uh, uh, fitness routine, while you're in your next workout, and keep them short, short, sweet, practical. Okay, because you've got all the movement stuff to think about. That's a lot of mental real estate. You want to keep these you, it's reps, repetition. What do you want to rep? I'm yeah. focused. There's a good one. The only times that I've ever set a PR, I knew for weeks ahead of time. Like I knew in my head for weeks ahead of time that I was going to lift that weight. Right. And and any any time that you that I would come in, I'm like, oh, I don't know. It doesn't move. You know. It, it matters. Yeah. I mean, it, it absolutely adds up. It's, um, it's the most under explored and utilized aspect of, uh, in, in fitness, in my opinion. Right. And, you know, I just, I just go and I look at what I used to do, man. Uh, you know, I had this, these stories, uh, in my mind when I was training of, of me not being good enough and also wanted to make other people pay for it. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to inflict damage. That's just a weird thing to rep over and over and over again. And you go, go, go in basically any gym anywhere. And there's people walking around like you see it on their faces. It's not, it's not resting bitch face. It's active cocksucker face. You know, people walking around like, dude, they're not in flow. Because that's what Enlifted was called before it was Enlifted, was flow stated. Mike Bledsoe and I, we did, I think, four workshops together. And what we did is we got people writing the stuff down that they wanted to think and say during their workout. We warmed them up well. And then we put them into their workout and they just, we did it silent. And people were just, they were moving like liquid. And people, people were setting PRs. People were like, I've never felt that smooth and, and quiet. You want to have a quiet mind while you're going into, into an intense workout. And, and that doesn't happen by accident, folks. That's, that, that happens as a byproduct of someone knowing there's a game to play and knowing how to do it and preparing. As in, pick up the, the damn pen and write down what you want to think when you go in there. I'm focused. I'm getting better. I got this. If someone says those things to themselves in their mind, let's just say 200 times each during a 45-minute uh, AMRAP, yeah. they're going to like what happens. I promise you that. As opposed to um, nobody ever respects me. You know, I'm not making any progress. Yeah. Uh, Everybody knows exactly me. Yeah. Yeah, that's sounds like a lot of negations that would go on in someone's head during a workout. And that's, that's, it's such a, a dangerous mindset to be in, but that's, that's where I, this whole program really intrigued me is because you don't, I don't, I didn't identify that in my speech at the time. And you take that, you get a really big step back and you start noticing these words you tell yourself, how you portray, how you, how you talk to others. I do presentations. I do about like five or six every day in my corporate life. Nice. And um, I shared your program with my team because early oh, yeah. presentations are like, oh, you're being more confident. We're seeing, we're noticing these things. I'm like, well, I'll share my story with you, which is your story with them, basically. So it's it's cool how it all trickles down from you to Chase to myself. Now, hopefully 
somebody else can gather that and, and identify the language tools that they're using. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I don't, I don't have much to add to that right there. I, I wanted to chicken or the egg real quick. Cause John had asked about body language earlier, but right, right. if our internal dialogue is on point, then one might, surmise that our body language will be as well yes yeah. sure yeah they go hand in hand yeah um that's i gave a lot of presentations i've given a lot of presentations uh and the first one sucked <laughs> the tenth one sucked and i kept going and things got better and i got proficient and then people started asking me to teach them and i did and still do. And one of the things we talk about in presenting is owning your hands. Okay. Own your hands. Most people do not own their hands when they're telling stories, also known as presenting. Most people's hands are all over the place. They're either sitting there like they'll do, they'll, they'll talk like this, or, you know, they'll touch their face or they're just, they're in their pockets. And that, that, that absolutely there's a story that's going on in context to that. It's, it's a relevant story. I go out to lunch with a client, prospective client, and she's telling me about this marketing campaign they're about to, to launch. And she's talking about how excited she is and how this is going to be it's a really good uh, 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 marketing campaign and how they brought on this, um, you know, this, uh, this, this person who does really well with, with sales funnels and, and what I, if you, you, they're watching me do this cause we're on video, my hands are all over the face, my face, I'm pulling on my shirt, I'm yanking at my hat. She was pulling on her hair and I'm just watching that. I'm like, wow. <laughs> so we go out to, to, to lunch a, a week later. And I just happened to the, the, in the weekend in between, I go to the arcade with my nieces and they win a bunch of tickets. And on the way out, I'm like, Hey, give me some of those tickets. And I grab, I, I get a, a, a set of Chinese finger cuffs. You guys know what those things are? Yeah. 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 You stuff your fingers in there and you try and pull them out. And now you're locked. <laughs> Cause I know where this is going. Yeah. Oh yeah. I see. You guys do too. We go, we have lunch with that woman and I'm like, so uh, are you, tell me about that marketing campaign again. And I said, well, well, put these on. We were friends. And, and she goes, really? And I said, yeah, really. And she did. And she started telling me about the, the Facebook ads and when the launch date is and the sales funnels. And about a minute and she stopped. She goes, oh, my God, I want to scratch my face. I want to adjust my, my, my shirt. My, I feel like I want to pull play with my hair. Most people are unaware of their body language. Start with your inner language and work your way out. The more of the more dots that you connect, and I'm going to tell you one thing that you can do today, tomorrow, to have an experience, because that's that's all most people need to do. Okay, besides writing down what you want to think when you go into a workout, slow down your rate of speech by roughly 20% for a few hours out of one day. And what that's going to do, it's gonna give you that extra mental real estate to connect just a few of the dots between what you think and say and how it influences you. It's also gonna give you extra space for you to feel your words. Most people do not feel their words. Most people talk too much, too fast, and keep themselves stressed as a byproduct of it. And as a byproduct of learning more about how your words are influencing you, because they are folks big time, then you start to gain control over your story. And as you gain control over your story and start to choose more of the empowering stories, as opposed to the disempowering stories, you're going to start to breathe better. Your breath is going to descend back down into your abdomen 
where it should be, where it started. If you've ever watched a baby breathe, they breathe abdominally. And then we inherit this, this strange storytelling mechanism known as the English language, the way that it is generally used today. And we micro stress ourselves 30, 40, 50,000 times over a few decades. <laughs> and then the breath is trapped in the chest. You want to get yourself breathing low and slow again, folks. Life sucks if you're breathing in your chest because you're not comfortable in your own skin. If not you're breathing abdominally, you're cool, you're, you're, you're home. And then once you get your, your language working for you, this is the inner world. This is the inner work. Your language, your story's working just even a little bit better and you're breathing a little bit better. Then you can pay a little bit more attention to your physical body. It's an order of operations. It's a progression. And the better stories you got and the better breathing and the more awareness you have of, of, of what your physical body is doing, that makes you a different animal in the gym. My man. Much yeah. present. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's uh, our tagline is live with purpose. Yep. You know, I mean, and right there, you just nailed it on the head. Being in tune with yourself. So you can actually express your fitness program with the intent that it's designed to be expressed. Dude, 100%. Otherwise, yeah. it's, it's a shit story in your head. Trapped breathing mechanics, lack of awareness with your body, and then you go in the gym and try to work out. You're like, <laughs> one of those clowns just like bumping into stuff and breaking down your, your, your body. Right. Dude, and you no. wonder why you burn out on your program six months in. Thank you. Yeah. That's longevity, folks. There's yeah. very little longevity or, and or fun in the gym with a victim mentality. There's, a, there's longevity and community and connection and gains and progress and appreciation and, and uh, uh, all the stuff you want with, with an architect mentality and good breathing mechanics and good body awareness. That's you, that's you staying in the game for a long time. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, uh, I had one other tangent. Talk, wait, a lot of people and even bigger these days is like manifesting things, right? Uh, people meditating, manifesting. And there's a lot of similarities between the power, because it is, right? It's the power of language on the internal side and what story you tell yourself. Uh, I don't know if you, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, sure. got a couple books, uh, Becoming Supernatural. I've heard them first on Aubrey Marcus's podcast. But to me, it sounds like there's similarities there where people, you know, and maybe there is a point where the two meet, where it's energy that you're trying to put out there with your language. And who knows whether or not we can actually manifest things with that energy. Or... Are you using that language and you execute on things more so it appears that you've manifested things to happen? The definition of magic is the apparent ability to alter the course of events using supernatural forces. It's not the ability to do it, it's the apparent ability to do it. And when someone architects their speech, and their stories to help them stay focused on what's important to them for prolonged periods of time. And they keep the drama low and, and uh, pull off stuff, get stuff done, have a well-rounded life, go on an adventure from time to time, laugh. People will be like, how do you do it? Okay. Most yep. people want to manifest stuff. They just want to feel better in their own skin. Yeah. I mean, that's whether they're manifesting, whether they're coming into a gym, you know, they, they just want to feel better in their own skin. What better way to do that than with language, right? hundred percent, man. Yeah, that's, you know, if, if you're into the, some of that weird stuff and, and I am from time to time, I got, I got interviewed on a, a in a documentary about consciousness in 2012. Yeah. I gave a presentation at a, a hippie festival down in, uh, Costa Rica called Envision Fest, which Angelo Cisco actually went to in 2018. Envision Fest, would that in involve um, what was involved there? It was, now it's about 10,000 people. It was, then it was about 4,000 people 
in the jungle, which is also on the beach. It's a music festival. It's uh, EDM and weird workshops about everything. And uh, I'm just talking about language. I'm a simple guy. Um, this guy comes up afterwards. He goes, hey, you want to be in a documentary about consciousness? I say yes to almost everything. I'm like, uh, sure. Anyway, he interviews me, and, and I'm probably – the most normal guy in there. And some people think I'm strange, which I, I mean, I totally get it. Yeah. And they got some out there cats in this documentary. It's called the cosmic giggle. It's on YouTube. It's got about a, it's a cult classic for people that know about it. And, uh, and, and interestingly enough, the same guy circled back six years later and created a documentary called how to create reality. 11, 11 films. Uh, I'm in it. Brandon Powell's in it. Uh, Mike Bledsoe's in it. Wow. Paris Robinson's in it. Randy Powell's in it. Jeez. Brandon Powell would be a great person that you guys have on the show. Level three Wim Hof instructor, second degree Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Yeah. Cat years, man. Talk about talk about breath work. That'd be. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to we'll have to try and make that happen. Maybe, maybe, I'll maybe. make the introduction. Heck yeah! Hey, look at this. We're we're just playing Daisy Chain of introductions <laughs> here. Um, that's awesome, man. Hey, I know we're, we're up over an hour now and I don't want to take up all your afternoon. Um, so by yeah. all means, we just wanted, is there anything else you wanted to leave our listeners before we break? And especially where can our listeners find you for trying to find more, more good information? Anything else to say? Pay attention to your words. Pay attention to other people's words. Just a little bit. A little bit of extra attention. Curiosity. Get quizzical about it. Connect a few dots. Slow down your speech from just a couple of times during one week. See how you feel. Have your own experience with it. And that's usually all anyone needs for them to convince themselves that that they're a lot more powerful than they thought. Yup. Oh yeah, man. I'm on Instagram. Marking on 2020. Love it. Mark, it has been an absolute pleasure, man. This was very fulfilling. Uh, great way to spend an afternoon. Yeah. Everything that you said, really do appreciate your time, everything you've done. And this is going to be cool to keep on this journey. So definitely appreciate it. Yeah, two-way street, man. Thanks for having me on, fellas. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark.